I think one of the biggest problems mm. in Vietnam is bureaucracy. Yeah. You know, so like that's a big question I think that centrists have to answer. Just like as a decentralized somebody <laughs> who more favors decentralization, I have certain questions that I have to answer. I think a central a central a centrist like you, mm. <laughs> you freaking centralizers. <laughs> Uh, but you know, like, no, seriously, like, what what do you think some solutions to the bureaucratic problems of a centralized system might be? <laughs> I like this comment. If a student tells the teacher to go to hell and fuck off while they do it in a coherent and confident manner, they get. <laughs> I mean, basically, yes. If you demonstrate the ability to speak English in a coherent and a confident manner, and you can speak at a <laughs> high tempo and and all these things, like, if you demonstrate that ability. In, you know, it doesn't really matter in which way you demonstrate it. Like, yeah, a lot of teachers uh, will give you the option to like, okay, do you want to write an essay? Do you want to do a, a presentation, like an oral presentation, uh, hold a PowerPoint presentation? Do you want to do a test? Like, whichever way That's you cool. want to demonstrate your knowledge. I had some teachers like that. When I was in school, I had teachers yeah. that were like that. And it was awesome. Like I had one teacher who said, uh, you know, when, instead of doing a test, if you want, you can make a video or you can do a project yeah. or whatever. Like, I, I thought that was really cool because it made me more excited to like engage with the material. So I think that's a really good system. Yeah. And I definitely have a lot of teachers I would have loved to have told to fuck off confidently and coherently. <laughs> um, so yeah. that, that would have yeah, been Yeah, I great. mean, I had, I had, like I had teachers I disagreed with a lot. I had teachers that I argued with. Uh, yeah. I have teachers that didn't like me. They still gave me good grades because they had to because I I was good at the subject, like especially in philosophy. I disagreed with my philosophy teacher a lot. I uh, I argued with them. I called her an idealist and a liberal and all these things. You know, like she, she had a lot of really like metaphysical questions that I thought were very bullshit as a materialist and all these things about mm -hmm. souls and whatever. <laughs> and I, I got an A. I got not only did I get an A in that class, I got a diploma, uh, calling me a uh, philosopher of the year. Um, wow! Because I was the most active in the class. Do you I was have that on your wall? Did you hang I that do. up on your wall? Well, I have it on a shelf. Yeah. There you go. That's awesome. Um, because I because I argued with my teacher, and I, I was the most active <laughs> student in that class because I disagreed so much with my teacher. But you know, because awesome. I argued so much and demonstrated my philosophical ability so much. I had to get an A. And it didn't matter that I, I, I demonstrated that ability by disagreeing with the teacher. Yeah. Um, no, that's I, great. I still, that's awesome. Yeah. The, the, uh, no, I think that's like, that's paramount for like a real education. I, 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 I feel somebody in the chat said, uh, Javaris said, uh, abolish grades. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think grades are kind of silly, to be honest. Mm. Like, what does it mean? It's so arbitrary. And I say that as a teacher. I've been a teacher yeah. before for years. And, like, I'll sit there and I'm reading an essay and I'm, like, and, you know, I have to follow the school's, like, criteria for, like, so it's, like, okay, is this yeah. a, a, a 7 or is this an 8 or a 9 or a 10? It's, like, a 1 to 10 system. It's, like, what the hell is the difference between a 7 and an 8 on an essay? Yeah. You could get you could have rubrics, but eventually at some point you have to make this, like, like gut check decision you know, that's going to make the difference between a seven and an eight. And it's like, yeah. and that, especially I mean, if you've that, got a stack happens, of like 50 uh, essays you got to go through. Yeah. I don't I mean, think that I, happens I hate in, in, in the Swedish system as well is, you know, cause sometimes you have edge cases and sometimes it, the difference between, cause we have, um, uh, we have 
our grading system is it's A to F, and then there's also a like a like a null, a null basically meaning this student did not attend class. Like I have nothing to grade. Um, like, it's Im- <laughs> like it just means no grade, basically. Right. And F right. means they submitted something, but it wasn't enough to reach the criteria for E, right? So there's F, there's E, there's C, and there's A. And then B oh, okay. and D are like between grades. So if you reach all of the criteria for a C and you reach some but not all of the criteria for an A, you get a B. Hmm. Yeah, it still feels arbitrary to me, though. It's like just I yeah. think pass fail as a teacher. As somebody who's taught, I just like I would prefer just to say pass fail. I feel like I could make that decision. I could be like, "You're ready to go to the next level. You're not." Mm-hmm. But it's like I feel like it's just so arbitrary. Like if you're trying to say like, "Uh, you did okay," <laughs> what the yeah. hell? How am I supposed to? I don't know. It's so strange to me. I just don't. What it's it all, like it doesn't seem human to me. It seems yeah. what it all alien to, boils down to is uh, your university application. The higher your yeah. grades are in high school, the easier time you're going to have to get into university. And get but that's into the... just weird to me, too. It's like, and I, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, ideally, I don't know. there would be enough weird, spots weird. For, for everyone to just to just pursue whichever. Or you wouldn't have, want. like, some schools that are really, really, really good. And then there's a, most schools are kind of shitty. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. maybe just have, if we didn't structure our society in this, like, hierarchical way. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't know, or have other criteria for like how you like. I could see where it's like a. I don't know. I could see something like like where you have like judges and like a contest or something. I don't know. I don't even know. There's yeah. there's a million better ways to organize it than um, the way we do it. It's just very strange. Yeah, and I like, like the idea of like the whole student. Like competition to get into university can be fierce. Um, yeah, and it can right have now, like incredible. Um, it could it could like make or break somebody's entire life in some situations, you know. Yeah, we have. Like my a... life is totally different now because I didn't get into. Uh, I, I applied to the um, American Film Institute mm. when I when I graduated college, and I didn't get into it. And it was like, I that would have like totally changed my life if I got into that, you know. And the reason I didn't get into it was because I didn't have a great portfolio, and I didn't have a great portfolio because like my program at my school didn't do a portfolio at all. It wasn't even part of yeah. the curriculum. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I don't know. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. I saw a question while we're talking about education. Andrew, Andrew King said, um, I just tuned in, but I haven't heard. Uh, how do you feel about the UK banning non-capitalist education? I would say that's completely bullshit. And I 100% against it. But like, if they did that in the USA, it wouldn't have changed my education at all because I already didn't get any anti-capitalist education when I was in school. I don't know what it's like right now, but like, yeah, we were just talking about it a few minutes ago about how like I was taught that 1984 and Animal Farm were anti-communist books. Yeah, you know. So um, I don't know, but but and it sounds like sort of somewhere in Sweden. Like, did you get any anti-capitalist education in Sweden? Uh. No, I mean the closest any, thing like, we ever got was. Teachers? I mean the the closest thing we got was, um, you know, we we learned about problems in America, how America mm-hmm. is a very problem problem society, 
we did like writing exercises and things on on america i remember we did one like assignment in english because it i think it was mainly in, in english class that we would learn about america because it's part of like the english classes is um learning about like english countries so we'd learn about britain yeah. and we'd learn about america and the anglosphere mm -hmm. in general um and you'd learn about australia and you'd learn about words like outback which is <laughs> And which I still know onion. from fucking middle school. I've never used that. Like I never used that. Word I know. I had to learn a bunch of. Uh, like they did. They did a weird thing where we had to learn about like all this weird uh, Australian um, like homeless people slang. I don't. It was like we had to learn like <laughs> a swagman is like a homeless person in Australia, and like they have mm -hmm. a billabong, and like uh, <laughs> it's like a pool of water and they have like a tucker sack and i guess it's because we learned this one song so we had to learn all this slang it's like it was and it's like old slang from like 19th century or something i don't know mm. that stuff sticks with you though i don't know why that like useless information about other countries <laughs> it's kind of fun yeah um uh what was I gonna say uh were they anti-capitalist? Uh, oh, yeah. Um, no, we, we learned about some, the problems in the U.S. And, and we did writing exercises. We had one writing exercise in in English class where we had to argue. Uh, we had, like, two questions that we had to argue about. Uh, we had to write, like, argumentative essays. So the first question was, um, Do you th would Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton be the best candidate? Because it was 2016. <laughs> Uh, uh, it was like the la my last year of high school, I think. Um, wow, you're young. I think I've been shocked by this before. Okay, <laughs> sorry, had to process that. Okay, continue. Yeah. Um, and um, and then the second question we had to answer was, um, uh, it was like, um, because the United States is so important, and because what happens in the in the United States affects the rest of the world. Should voting rights on for the U.S. president be extended to everyone in the world? Yeah, which was yeah. an interesting no, question. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that actually. Yeah. yeah, I mean the USA, like it's like you can't escape foreign policy of the USA anywhere you go. So yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, like I had some. I had a one of my teachers was uh, an anarcho syndicalist. Uh, wow. I didn't. Ha I didn't have him that much. Um, yeah, he was. He did out of the other. Should have had him more. Maybe yeah. you'd be over here on my side. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he was, be, uh, Maybe we would be leftist unified already. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, we. we, we I talked to him some, a bit, because uh, I didn't know he was a syndicalist. Um, I think he. I had like a pin or something, or like a hammer and sickle, and he like asked me about it, and and. Uh, I think I think I might have had it on like by mistake, like forgot to take it off because I usually don't wear political pins, especially not to school. But I was like, oh yeah, am I allowed to have that? And he was like, oh yeah, no no, it's cool. Uh, and he said like, um, it's nice to see that the youth is going in the right direction. Uh, <laughs> and like Sweet. And so he, yeah, he told me he was uh, a member of the SAC union, which is the um, I don't know what it stands for actually. It's like the syndicalist workers organization or something hmm. which is this really old syndicalist union in, in sweden from like the 1930s and they have a a pretty popular like youth organization called uh syndicalist syndicalist youth org um so yeah and um 
Uh, I had, I mean, my, my like social studies teacher was like she was like a liberal. She was from she was from Yugoslavia though. It's so, like she knew about mm-hmm. socialism, and she had like communist friends from Yugoslavia. So when she would mm-hmm. talk about communism and socialism, she was pretty fair about it. Um, mm-hmm. So that was cool. Oh my god! I had none of that. I had absolutely <laughs> none of that. I was taught like communism is the opposite of democracy. Mm. <laughs> like it was so indoctrinating. Um, <laughs> it was exactly like Lord Bernard's comment: like <laughs> you commie soy boy losers can't get girlfriends, cuck beta males. You all have mental illness, commies. Mm-hmm. Um, that was basically like my education in South Carolina. Uh, so yeah, I am a so boy. You are right. <laughs> Lord Bernard. Go, like you and I both have girlfriends. <laughs> I know. Like, can we yeah. just to point that out? Lord can Bernard. we just brag about our girlfriends for a little while? Yeah, I totally actually. have a girlfriend. She's uh, real. She she's didn't hot. try to kill you. <laughs> she did try she does try to kill me occasionally. Yeah. She will occasionally try to stab me in the back while I'm sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's just part of the part of, it's part of it's become a kink at this point. It's become a part of our <laughs> love life um Mm -hmm. so you know it's all fine uh i do drink a lot of soy milk though i am a soy boy i have to admit Mm. Um, but Uh, i feel like ironically since i started drinking more soy my beard has grown in more i think it's Mm. like making me more masculine so maybe i don't know jury's still out there's vitamins and stuff in in soy milk that you don't get yeah it's good for you it's got protein Oh, yeah. I, I have I my sh- when I, I when I when I work out every day and I get pumped, I, <laughs> I make a shake with protein shake and uh, with protein powder and uh, creatine and soy milk. Mm. Total soy boy uh, fitness routine. <laughs> so yeah, that's I, I don't drink soy milk really a lot, but I eat I eat like vegetarian substitute food, and a lot of that is soy. And yeah. there's also uh, corn, which is uh, like a mushroom, like mushroom. P- protein extract thing <laughs> so you're a mushroom boy and yeah. i'm a soy boy <laughs> so ridiculous i love that mm. whole idea like the funniest thing to me is the soy face the idea that if you smile too exuberantly it me like if you smile and your teeth don't connect then you're like um somehow more effeminate and like inferior I've never so the whole idea heard is you have that. to smile with your teeth connected and if I don't, if I don't do that's this, how men smile. That's how men smile. <laughs> but if you smile like this, it's soy face, and you're oh, like, like a you're cup. such a woman. You're a female. <laughs> but like Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> and Ronald Reagan have soy face. Like if you watch Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger smile, he has like his teeth are totally unconnected. It's a total yeah, soy he's face. A woman. So he's a woman. <laughs> and Ronald Reagan's a total woman. Yeah, soy Arnold, boy cuck Arnold woman. Schwarzenegger is the most feminine person I've ever seen. <laughs> Like so I've never funny. seen a more feminine person. Not even, I love not even these, women. I love these fucking bizarre. I feel like like weirdos. smiling with your teeth together like that. I feel like women do that more than men. I don't know. I never thought about it. I feel like the more happy you are, the bigger your mouth opens. Mm. I just to me it's a sign of joy. <laughs> yeah. And also it's uncomfortable for me to smile with my mouth closed. Like yeah. feels like I'm like if it, it's like in the Bible, they talk about like the gnashing of teeth. I imagine that's what it's like. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's so bizarre to me. 
We have a. Know. We actually have a like an agricultural co-op in Sweden, which does like um, bean farming and and stuff. And they make <laughs> uh, they make uh, like pasta, like gluten free pasta made from beans, bean protein and stuff. And bean like protein, this, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. It's like this really big agricultural it. cooperative. It's like the biggest. I think it's the biggest agricultural company in Sweden. It's like a farmer oh, co-op. Yeah. Maybe they will be the vanguard. Maybe the bean yeah. people <laughs> will usher in the the next I chapter. Think of most communism. people don't even know that they're a co-op. Actually, uh, they're called Kungsörnen, which means yeah. like the king eagle, and it, they make a lot of you know like all the big like all the pasta and stuff is made from them. I think most people wow. don't know that they're an agricultural co-op. I think most people just think they're a regular company. But they're a I didn't know that in Vietnam, like most of the agriculture was cooperative. Yeah. But I just learned that like last year from Luna. Uh, Javaris asked me if I'm Christian. I was raised Christian. I'm afraid mm-hmm. that's like my mom asking like an alt account of my mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Javaris, Jamar, Javaris. It's like, um, I'm afraid to answer this question. No, I mean, like the way I put it is like, I don't, I am not religious, uh, mm. but I'm also not like an atheist. I'm, I guess you could say agnostic. Yeah. But I am. Maybe one I am of the things kind of... that I um, admire about anarchist experiments and, and Nestor Machno is the um, how they respected freedom of the press and freedom of religion when the Bolsheviks didn't. Because yeah. when I think it was like because the the Bolsheviks they like sent in like agitators to like sell Communist Party newspapers in uh, what's that city called Hulaipi Hulaipi the ukrainian uh, city that the anarchists were based in and oh, then right. they they thought that they were like gonna agitate the workers and like they were gonna like prove that the black army was gonna come in and like shoot them for trying to spread the pravda spread the truth right, right. and it was like so underwhelming because it was like yeah you're allowed to sell your newspaper here like <laughs> <laughs> like what do you think we're gonna do something about it? like yeah you're allowed to sell your newspaper here and like uh were the you, were you raised were christian operating. yeah yeah um we did like church is, it, is sweden like catholic or is it more protestant or i don't it's mostly know protestant about. yeah okay interesting we have the it's lutheran the lutheran church the original original protestant oh right right i was raised lutheran mm-hmm. my dad's lutheran my mom's like southern baptist or something but yeah i yeah. used to go to mostly lutheran church i liked lutheran church because they let us out in time for the football game to start and so it, <laughs> we were like that's the big we that's a big quick. like um theocratic difference between uh Lutheran and, and the other branches of Protestantism. Is yeah, football. that was the big thing. Well, because yeah. like at the, we would go to these Baptist churches sometimes with my mom's side, and it was like they would just go on and on for hours. It was like awful. But Lutheran church, it was just like, oh, football, we gotta go. It was great. <laughs> so I mean, I didn't watch football, but I was just glad to be out of there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I, I um, hated being in church. I was. I know. Really I think. I think. I've I've gone as an adult, like my ex is Christian and I would go with her sometimes. And it's mm. much more interesting to me to go to church as an adult yeah, because yeah. I can kind of at least like intellectually engage with what's going on and think about the stories and the narratives and the morals. And oh, so, you know, yeah. like I can think about it. But when I was a kid, it was just like boring as shit. I just wanted I d- to I didn't listen so to the priest at all when I was a kid. Yeah, me I went to I, I went to like anything. Sunday school for a while and it was like I didn't learn anything. <laughs> I got into it when I was like really young because I was like totally bought into it like yeah. 
a thousand percent. And I was just like, mm. I, I didn't even know that you could not believe it. You know what I mean? It was just like, yeah. I, I couldn't even fathom what it would be like to be like an atheist or agnostic at that time. But um, I remember yeah. going to school one time. I don't know how, I mean, I was, it was very still boring. Young. Though. <laughs> <laughs> I was very young. I don't I like, I don't know. I was still playing with Legos and stuff at school. We had like, I don't know. It must have been like pre preschool or something, but. I just remember going around and telling my friend, like asking my friends, like, do you believe in God? And if they said like, maybe, or I don't know, I would say you're going to hell. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I I was like, uh, yeah, I was really into it, but I still thought it was boring and I still wanted to go Mm. watch like Flipper. Yeah. I I wasn't very Christian. I, I just had this. I was just convinced that if you don't believe in God, then you go to hell. And so I wanted to like, I tell my friends, so like, you better believe in God. It was terrifying. Yeah. You don't want to go to hell, do you? No. I, I mean, uh, I don't think I really like, knew what hell was. I just knew it was bad. Right. I, w- I definitely thought it was like the there was fire and there was a red guy and he would poke you with a pitchfork. And that yeah. was my idea of hell. Um, <laughs> I don't know. But it's like the, the, the but then when I actually started to like the, the stuff that they taught me about because I went to Sunday school, you know. And they taught me all this crap, and it like none of it has anything to do with anything that Jesus actually taught. Mm. You know, it was like Noah's Ark and stuff. It's like all this bullshit about like Noah's Ark. They taught me yeah. that so much, but like Jesus didn't. It had nothing to do with like. It was just so funny. I don't know. Like they they never taught me like the stuff about you know like actually like treating people with kindness and stuff like that was never the important thing it was like all yeah. about how like jonah got swallowed by a whale it was like almost learning like history <laughs> yeah. like you had to learn like the the story like the points of the stories and i guess maybe they thought that you would like intuitively grasp the morals or something. i don't even know when i think about the things that i learned in sunday school it was just so weird yeah it's like okay so then there was this guy samson and he had really long hair and he was really strong and he betrayed god and then he blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> and it was just like why am I learning this? I don't understand. Yeah. I think my mom actually, she told me once about, I don't know. I can't remember if it was Noah or if it was some other shit, in the, but it's in the Old Testament. And like the dad got drunk on wine and he fell asleep with his ass bare and his children saw his naked butt. And because <laughs> they saw that, they had to be punished by God. And I just remember my mom <laughs> being, you know, like, I remember my mom telling me, like, that's a very fucked up thing for God to do. <laughs> I think that was, like, the first time I was, like, oh, I, I thought about, like, Christianity in a more critical way. My mom like, would okay, never say any, like, my mom, would, <laughs> my mom is, like, never contradicts anything that she here's in church it's like the, yeah. the 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 story that always got me when i was a kid was the prodigal son where it's like there was one son who stayed with his dad and helped him make a farm and help him like you know until he was old and like you know was like a really good son and then the other son like left and was like you know i don't know came back after decades and then the father like gave everything to him and there's like the prodigal son has returned, and it was just like I don't know, it didn't make any fucking sense. And I also hated the story about where, who was it? Who was it that had to take his son up to the mountain to like kill Abraham. him? Abraham, right? Yeah. And then he's like, ah, just 
just kidding. I just wanted to make sure that you worship me enough to murder your son. <laughs> and it's like, why would you do that? It's just horrible. It's like mm. manipulation and torture and like, can you imagine how awful you'd have to be to do that shit? Hey, it's yeah. Luna Oi. She says H. <laughs> H, Luna. I'm just going to leave that uh, there. That's just going to be there yeah, for the rest of the Yeah, that's going to be our little uh, Luna Luna's representation. Yeah. Um, Luna came oh. over to... Oh, my God. Luna came up to me last... Like, maybe it was last night or the night before. She came up to me and she went... <laughs> so funny. She was... Because <laughs> Luna's, like, from Vietnam and... They're kind of like Buddhists, and they have their own like native religion or whatever. There are Christians in Vietnam. There's a lot in Da Nang, actually. But mm. like Luna hasn't had a lot of exposure to Christianity. And she came up to me last night, and she was like, did you know that I was just reading some things in, on Facebook in Vietnamese, and did you know that Christians really believe the Bible? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And she's like, did you, know that, did you know that they really believe that, like, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and, like, they really believe that stuff? And I was like... <laughs> yeah, what did you think? <laughs> what did you think Christians were? And she's like, I thought they just, you know, like, they appreciated the stories and they, like, you know, learned the morals, but they actually believe that stuff. And I'm like, yes, what did you think they believed? <laughs> it was so funny. I was like, such culture shock. Like, how could you not know that Christians believe in Christ? You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah. um, I wanted to ask you, like, um, what is... I mean, first, I guess there might be two different questions, but like, what is your perspective on religion and religion in a in a socialist society, like a hypothetical socialist society? And what is like the maybe the more standard anarchist way of looking at it? Like, I mean, I know that like a lot of anarchists are super anti-religion and that's nothing new. Yeah. And that like I know that like the anarchists in Spain, like turned the churches into like community meeting halls and stuff. And they were like very anti-religion but i think that had a lot to do with like the role of the church in spanish society at that time you know yeah um but um the, the i personally hold a lot of power in a lot of these yeah societies. yeah like, and they were like collaborated with the fascists and shit i mean franco yeah. was like you know used the catholic church a lot but i'm very um i know okay and Sheikh Lauren says not all christians are biblical literalists but i mean yeah. like luna was surprised that they believe in jesus christ being the savior and like she was surprised that they believe any of it, <laughs> so, which is what was funny about that. But anyway, no, I am I am totally for freedom of religion. And my whole thing is that, like, as long as you're not forcing anyone to do anything they don't want to do. And again, that's where it gets complicated because it's like mm. people often ask me about, like, hijabs, you know, or like, should yeah. women have to cover their hair? You know, and it's like, I don't know. I don't have a lot of connection to that society. But I just mm. know that, like, yeah, if a woman doesn't want to wear a hijab, then she should have the freedom to choose not to do that. You know what I mean? But like, yeah. I've talked to a lot of women who wear hijabs and they, they absolutely choose to wear them. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's like, it's, as long as it's an adult who's making a choice, I feel like, you know, parents have some latitude over children to some extent. Um, mm -hmm. We can debate about what that extent is. That's why, we but you know, like I don't see a family unit. Right. Well, yeah. And I think there's, that's a discussion. That's a discussion to be had is mm -hmm. what is a, what is a family union and, and what, what does a family look like? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a fair thing to discuss and break down and talk about and analyze and question. Mm -hmm. um, like, I think yeah, that, sure. that we should be much more communal about how we raise children in some ways. Um, but I don't know exactly. I've never been a parent, so I kind of don't no. like to weigh in on this stuff. Um, but um, 
anyway, I do think that like, you know, there's, it doesn't bother me for like a parent to raise their kid in their religion. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I, I don't, I, as long as they're not being abusive and it's not like somehow hurting the child, I'm fine with that. But I do think that like once they reach whatever the age of a majority we decide is going to be, then obviously they should be free to leave that religion if they choose then or change their religion or whatever, you know, and the nitty gritty details, I guess, you know, we have to decide democratically where we come down on different specific questions about that stuff. There's the cultural Uh, supremacist idea that the Easterners can never make their own decisions. Yeah. Oh yeah. For fuck's sake. If you're talking about like Asia, I mean, Mm. there's so many people who said that Vietnamese people did so good of a job wearing masks and, participating in the lockdown because Vietnamese people love following rules and they're very <laughs> submissive. That's like a massively popular narrative on the right. But nothing could be further from the truth. If you just go look at video footage of traffic in Vietnam, you will instantly see <laughs> that Vietnamese people do not give a fuck about the rules unless mm. you know they they buy into it somehow, unless they like think there's a reason for that rule to exist. Mm. Yeah. I mean I want to um, get Luna in here. Luna Oi Come here. Mm. I want to ask you a question. Mm. Um, do Vietnamese people love to follow the rules, and are you very submissive people who always follow the law? <laughs> Talk about that. Have you ever seen me 100% follow the rules? <laughs> <laughs> no. So that's no. it. That's a... In fact, we were at the beach like three days ago. Yes. And so Luna was like, okay, so there's this big public beach. It's like one of the biggest beaches in Vietnam. Mm, And it's got this huge walkway that goes up to the beach. Mm. And you're not supposed to bring your motorbike up there. It's like a walkway. Mm. And Luna's like, drive up there. There's nobody up there. Let's (laughs) go drive up there. And I'm like terrified of the police because I'm from the USA and cops scare the shit out of me. Uh. And I'm like, I don't know. The police might arrest us. I don't know. And she's like, just go. And so we drive up there and we're hanging out and, and we sit uh, there. Two or three more other. Yeah, there's a few other Vietnamese people riding their motorbikes up there. And then, like, after about 45 minutes or something, the security guard, like, blows a whistle. Like, from far, far distance. And I'm, like, panicking. I'm like, holy shit, the cops are coming. You know, like, we got to get the fuck out of here, Luna. <laughs> and Luna's like, what are you, what is wrong with you? Like, why are you so scared? And then she's just, and then, like, yeah, we ended up. I ended up making her leave because I was yes. scared of the cops. Like, but she was like, "If the cops do come, they're just going to tell us to go." None of the scared of cops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Vietnamese all stayed there, just like whatever. Like whatever. Because like the worst case I could have was like that guy will come to us and tell us to leave, and that's it. <laughs> but Vietnam is a police state, and there's a police on every corner. <laughs> oh yes. Oh my they god. arrest everyone yes. for looking at. Every them corner has like seven illegal businesses. <laughs> You know, like every corner has like seven ladies selling corn or like kebabs or, yes. you know, and they're not supposed to be there and they're breaking like every law by being there and then nobody gives a shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, that, the, it even becomes the culture of Vietnam, the street food culture. Yeah. Totally illegal. The Vietnamese people are like some of the most by nature anarchistic people I've ever encountered. Here's the thing. It's we really only follow the laws if it makes sense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So it's this a famous so story, like when this is several story when like years ago, when like the traffic police they wanted to catch more people, like possible to follow the traffic laws, right? And then they kind of for a while, for a few months, they gave the wardens, the the the, the kind of 
the, the law, the lawful right mm-hmm. to catch people, mm-hmm. to arrest, no, not to arrest, but to to catch people and bring them to the real police so they can arrest them. Yeah. But like nobody fucking care about that. And then after two or three months, like. And people just forgot about it, even the police. <laughs> yeah. so All the, the time, they'll always come out with these laws, and then like if the people don't want to follow the law, then it'll just be like 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 when they had these they had these express buses in Hanoi, mm. and for like a few weeks they were like, if you ride in the express lane of yes. this bus at all ever, mm. that we're gonna be really serious about this law, and you, we're gonna give you a big ticket, and like mm. they were like really serious about it. <laughs> And, like, the Vietnamese people were like, fuck this bus lane thing. Like, we're not going to follow this law. And, like, they just refused. And after, like, three or four weeks, they were just like, okay, it's not a law anymore. So, like, they just re- they re- re- repealed the law. Because, like, the Vietnamese people were just like, we're not going to follow this fucking law. We don't care. We're not going to do it. the way the Vietnamese government deal with it is this. Forget it. Yeah. Just, like, they, they, they acted like it doesn't, it did exist. Yeah, they act like it never happened. There was one time, too, when I lived in, in, in Hanoi, it's and I lived funny. on the street, and they, the, the local warden wanted to make it so that every business had the same sign. Mm. And so, like, there was, like, this one, it was, like, a red sign with, like, yellow letters, and they all had to be the same. Mm. And, like, everyone was, like, fuck this. And they put up, like, 30 different signs, like, just to say fuck you to the government. <laughs> and then that that law just quietly, like, got repealed. Yes. And then the other, the my favorite example of all is when I lived in Saigon, and they made it a law, like, some conservative asshole was, like, because they had all these, like, lingerie stores, and they would have a little mannequin out front mm. that was wearing lingerie. Mm. And so somebody made it a law that, like, you cannot have a mannequin wearing lingerie in front of mm. your store. Mm. So what they did was all the store owners would just put naked mannequins in front of their store with, like, the boobs <laughs> with, like, they would draw nipples on them and, like, draw vaginas on them. <laughs> so, like, yeah. And so after, like, two weeks, they were like, okay, we're canceling this law. You can put lingerie on the street again. So, it almost sounds like Vietnam that. is, like, a, an illegalist society. Like, it, almost it, so they, That's what I'm saying. That's why I, you have to live here, I guess, to really understand, like, yeah. Vietnam is one of the most anarchist places in the world. <laughs> yes. I, I don't think that you'd be hard pressed to find a more anarchist yeah. people than the, the Vietnamese. The most recent story about that is like, just, just two months ago, um, in the pandemic, the, the fucking, I don't know why, the Ministry of Public Transport is with the public, uh, with the transport, uh, traffic police. They force everybody to like for the safety or something for the safety. All the motorbikes in Vietnam have to turn on the light day and night. Oh yeah, and that's so fucking bad for the batteries of our motorbike. Yeah, a lot of batteries. Well, I don't know. I think it's a good. I think it's a good idea because yeah, it's, it's for it's safety. Your, it's your. It doesn't decision. drain the battery. That's by the way not true. And and by the There's way, nothing wrong with it. Just didn't give a fuck about that, and that's it. That's it. That's it. I know. Today. That's one. That, that's one. I'm I'm more of a tanky than the Vietnamese because I like the law that you should wear turn on your lights in the daytime because it's been proven to avoid injuries and, and accidents and it doesn't harm your motorbike. Mm. Especially if you use LEDs, those we, things we, we will open the light maybe after six p.m. Oh, see, okay, I'm more of a tanky than the Vietnamese. Tanky, tanky. <laughs> just, definitively, I I want that law. So, yeah, mm. Vietnam is not perfect. We have a lot of criticism of Vietnam, such as corruption is fucking corrupted. A lot of, like, every one or two months. But, well, okay, here's I, the thing, though. We, they they go to jail for corruption here. Yes. Every month, there's, like, a person goes to jail for corruption here. Like When's minister? the last time someone in the USA went to jail for corruption? It's just, in the USA, we dealt with corruption by legalizing it. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> there's no corruption in USA. I mean, that there's no corruption there. There's just no it's law really, against it. 
Yeah. I mean, <sighs> like lobbying is just like a, a standard part of being a politician in the US. It's like it's by design. It's like lobbying. So you can just you can just totally pay politicians off to It's a bizarre system and it's so like it's that's like, why when I say like normal. Yeah, like Vietnam that's, that's has corruption, but like they they also try to catch the people who are corrupt, you know, which is like <laughs> a least. pretty step up from the USA. Um, like I don't know. Even like retired government, like high position or like f- former minister in Vietnam is in jail now. They're in jail now. Yeah. For corrupted, mm. being corrupted. And they'll, and they'll catch people who were corrupt like 10, 15 years ago too. Uh, they just put a general in jail, a general and a former mayor or something in Da Nang. Oh, he's the mayor of Hanoi. Just like God. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's the... a different story. Yeah. But but they'll catch people who were corrupt like 15 years ago. Oh yeah. And they'll still put them in. You know what I mean? Like, like could you imagine, imagine that? In the like USA? George you only... Bush was yeah. put in jail. Oh. <laughs> he should be in the Hague. You know, like come on. God damn yeah. it. But in Vietnam, you only escape corruption if you died. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. It's mm. pretty good stuff. I mean, I you know, I don't know. I love this country. I mean, there's plenty of problems, but I'm not going back to the USA. I can goddamn guarantee you that. I might move to Sweden one day just to check it out. Sweden sounds pretty sick. Yeah. But, um, a comrade yeah. in the chat said, like, I aged five years exam. I crossed the street in Vietnam. Yes. But see, no, okay. In the defense <laughs> of anarchism, though, I feel safer driving in Vietnam than I ever <laughs> feel in the USA. Like, I, w- I just realized it a few... Very chaos. It looks very chaos. Mm. It, it looks scary. But like if like I was born here and I know how it works. Like I've only been go, here a few years and I yeah totally feel we, safe. We, we go like really slow, yeah. slowly, and we actually like pay ob- Observe each other. Yeah. Look at each other's eyes to decide that they're gonna hit us or not. There are <laughs> virtually. I've never seen a stop sign. I, oh, I did. F- I found one stop sign. Oh, There's really? one at that gas station oh. by the big horse statue. But it's okay. like a. I don't think it's an official stop sign. I think the gas station put it up. <laughs> anyway, there's almost no stop signs in Vietnam, like virtually none. I want to um, do that. So I like, want to just like put s- traffic signs outside my house. <laughs> you, what's stopping? I guess the Swedes probably wouldn't be very happy with no, that. No, no, no. We're very law-abiding. Everything <laughs> oh, has to be really? Done. You Everything see? has to be done by the books. Everything has to be no, official but, but, and stamped. But Vietnam is... Commoners, Vietnam is Polish day. <laughs> you can't even put up a stop sign outside of your own house. Wow. No, I'm no, the fucking the, uh, the traffic ministry would execute me. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, well, the, the the key point to cross the road in Vietnam is just to go slow but steadily. Okay, slowly, mm. steadily, try to make eye contacts. Okay, try to find the church in each other through eye contact. Yeah, and that's mm. the thing. In the USA, no one's paying attention to the road, and they and the, and they over rely on the signage. Yeah. That's why so many accidents happen at stop signs. Like I feel safer going through an intersection in Vietnam where there's no signage at all, mm. and just like everyone's looking and paying attention, and we honk our horns, you know, like eh, when we get to the corner. Uh, the honk, the honk, is the honk, honk is vital. It's a big part <laughs> of yeah, the. Yeah, it is strategy. like here's the thing. Tell you about the experience of honking in Vietnam compared to the USA. You told me, you told me, like, whenever you... Oh, God. Oh, when I first moved to Vietnam, I thought everyone was pissed off at me when I was driving. Because <laughs> in the U.S., people very rarely honk their horns, and when they do, it's because yeah. they're pissed, generally. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in Vietnam, use, it's like everyone's... Do you use honking. your turn uh, indicators in Vietnam? Mm, uh, you'll use them uh, situationally. Like, if you feel like you need to signal somebody that you're getting over, 
Mm-hmm. You will, but it's not. There's definitely no like, like in the USA. I'm terrified I'll get a ticket if I don't use my signals because there might be a cop behind me mm-hmm. who sees mm-hmm. me not signal any time I change lanes. In here at all. There's no patrols and no patrols. Saigon has patrols, but they mostly go after cars. Oh uh, yeah, but like Hanoi and Danang, there's no patrols, mm-hmm. none. There's nobody patrolling the the traffic enforcement. The only traffic enforcement you see is like sometimes traffic cops will stand on the side of the road, and they'll pull people over for like not wearing a helmet. We but, got caught once though. So. And we, we got caught, and then the guy let us go. So I chat with the traffic Luna police for ten minutes, it up a little bit. <laughs> and then he, he let him go. Uh, us yeah. go. Sweet talked him, but <laughs> <laughs> what are the Swedish police like? Oh yes, I'm curious. Um, uh, well, I mean, they're better than American police. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Okay, so they're not the worst. You mean they're not the worst no, police in the world? Um, so the we have a pretty progressive policy when it comes to guns is uh, mm-hmm. officers don't carry guns oh, but there are guns mm-hmm. in the trunks of the police cars so mm-hmm. if uh, an officer is in a situation where uh, they decide that a gun is required in this situation um, they radio the police station mm-hmm. and they say mm-hmm. I'm opening my trunk and I'm getting this gun out right it's a specific gun uh, if it's mm. a pistol or a shotgun, whatever gun it is, they have to they have to radio in and say, "I'm getting this gun out because I'm in an emergency situation," uh, and the police station just kind of says, "Okay," and then they use the gun, and then once everything is done and over with, they have to do a report on why they used the gun, why they thought mm. it was necessary, and then it's decided like, was like, is it true? Did you really need to use the gun? Uh, mm. And, you know, they go yeah. through a lot of, like, de-escalation training and, and that kind of stuff. And essentially, yeah. uh, like, using using a gun is, like, the last resort, always. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in Vietnam, they, they have use, to actually go um, to an armory building and check out a gun mm, before yeah. they can mm. use a gun, yeah, before yeah. they can bring a gun somewhere. Yeah. yeah. So it's like... like they don't use... Uh, they don't have pepper spray. They don't have... They mm, they have nightsticks, no. like batons, I think, but they don't really they can, use yeah, them. Yeah, they have that even out to the baton yeah. guy. Uh, and they wear these, like... Uh, they don't wear, like... <laughs> like sometimes they wear uniforms but usually they wear these like high visibility like yellow vests uh mm-hmm. which, which makes them like stick out i guess because the whole point is like you're supposed to you're always supposed mm-hmm. to see a policeman uh you, like a policeman do they do traffic patrols do they drive around mm-hmm. and like pull people over who are driving mm-hmm. that's like the biggest racket in the usa sometimes i mean it's not often at all like i rarely see police like even when I'm like on the highway or like, I rarely see police cars like going out and about. Usually USA they just respond the to. Worst. The I USA is absolutely the worst. I'm from the town in the USA that had the highest. Uh, when I was living there as a child growing up and a teenager, the mm. highest number of cops per capita in the entire United States of America, Goose Creek, South Carolina. Yeah. And I was just like, I got pulled over all the time. I got frisked. I got harassed by the cops. It was like awful. Oh. Yeah. And I was lucky because I was a white dude. You know. Oh uh-huh. I have one question about. Uh, how um, is that the education system for pol- the, for police in Sweden? How how hard it is to be a oh, pol- what kind of training do the there? police have? Yeah, uh. it's pretty rough. Um, I, I can't remember how long it is, but it's a pretty long education. It goes into you know like de-escalation tactics and uh, mm. kind of like psychology and that kind of thing. I think in the U.S. Mm. police academy, a lot of it is like physical training. Oh yeah, uh, we, like, and like training and... on how to like literally because I've I've heard recordings of it like how to get away with murdering somebody you know like that's yeah. actual training that they receive like what to mm-hmm. do if you shoot somebody to like not get in trouble 
Yeah. Uh, that's a big part of the training of the police in, v- in America. Yeah. It took about mm. four years in Vietnam to be a police. Yeah. There's three so many years ways in Norway, so I assume it's probably the same in, in, in Sweden. Yeah. It's probably three years. Um, also, yeah, by the way, like, Lily. Uh, uh, like the theoretical USA, six training. Months, right? Usually six months. In the USA? I mm. think it's like some places it's like two weeks. It depends okay. on the city. Can you believe that? Training for two weeks? It depends weeks on the city. I mean, some places you have to have like an associate's degree, but that's rare. Mm. Um, Lily Cunha, I've seen that study on the no traffic signs um, reducing accidents, and um, I anecdotally completely understand why. Just because I think, yeah, I think traffic signs make people over reliant, and if you're if you're distracted and you come to a stop sign, you just assume everyone's going to follow the signs. That causes so many accidents in the USA. Like, I have a wild yeah. theory about how to reduce traffic accidents. So. In, I think it was 1976, Sweden switched from driving on the left side of the road to driving on the right side of the road. And mostly it was because... That's, we that wanted... features heavily in the movie Kitchen Stories that I keep telling you to watch. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, mostly it was because we, we wanted to import cars from Germany, and Germany drove on the right side of the road. Uh, we didn't want to import cars from Britain or to like modify our cars to put the steering. There was a Swedish place. character who felt like sick when he was driving on like the other side of the road. It was really funny. <laughs> That's interesting because what we yeah. what we observed is when we changed which side of the road we were driving on, uh, the roads were much safer for about two mm. weeks because everyone was paying extra attention because uh, no one yes. was used to driving on that side of the road. So mm. my crazy theory is every two weeks we switch which lane of the road we're driving on because that way everyone is always paying attention because <laughs> dude well you know i lived in I, no i didn't live we went to thailand when i go to thailand mm. it's kind of the opposite like i'd never pay attention and i almost die constantly because yes, yes, yes. i just so assume that it's gonna be i just assume it's like in the usa and vietnam but they drive on like the british side like they drive on the yeah left side of the road and i'll just be like i'll like glance the way that i'm used to glancing and mm. walk into traffic and there's like a car coming the other direction mm. and every they, time and they drove really fast they drive so fast in thailand it's so wacky mm. I, well just in bangkok actually if you get in the countryside it's not so bad but in mm. bangkok people drive like i remember i almost fast. got hit by two motorbikes was yeah. like, taiwan's what? like that too in Taiwan, they in Taiwan they do this thing where they'll like drive super fast and then like hit their brakes at the last minute at every red light. Oh my god! I hate that because it's like you're gonna it's gonna take the same amount of time. Mm. It's a red light. I don't get it. Anyway, mm. Nobel Prize yeah. for the scapegoat. Mm-hmm. Well, as long maybe if I get well, yeah, maybe the switching it all the time. It, you'll have a lot of deaths in the first month, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but then. After the culling, it's, it's it. probably not a bad system. Oh, the great the good. <laughs> I mean, as a, my, uh, yes? as a totalitarian Marxist uh, collectivist. For the great um, eugenicist, it's a eugenicist traffic system. It's like <laughs> social Darwinist traffic. <laughs> yeah, bad drivers. My solution is to put like minimum traffic signs. As 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 less as possible. Yeah. And then let them be. Anarchism. Mm. Yeah. Let it be. They like we have to like always pay attention, drive slowly because we don't know what the fuck is gonna going, uh, mm. go, 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 going to happen. Like maybe a a motorbike or a truck or a car will appear from that corner, so go That's fucking slow like. in every corner. You just described the Vietnam system. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. The, 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 but I will say one thing too is like Vietnam does have this really funny like might makes right system on the road because <laughs> if if yes. there's like a if there's like um, a motorbike and a car, the car always will go first. Yes. And if there's like a car and a truck, the truck always, always will go first. And but the, the container and the truck, the container always go but first. But the kings of the road are the buses. Yes. And nobody, <laughs> the buses will stop for nobody, and everyone knows that. So, like, nobody mm. fucks with the buses. Yes. Yeah. It's so funny. Stay away um, from buses. They're terrifying. If I were to talk to any of my, like, city planner friends, uh, like, people who are, like, you know, like, go to school for that kind of thing, like, city planning and traffic and... and uh, uh, and all these things, um, they would probably just say, ban cars. Just ban all cars. Yeah. Yes. I would um, love, oh my God, because that's yeah, the big cars. problem in Vietnam right now, Traffic is jam. that cars, well, so it's it's very fascinating because the World Bank and all these financial um, institutions are like pressuring the hell out of Vietnam to, they used to, when I moved to Vietnam, there was like a 200% luxury tax on cars. Yes. Yeah. And so like very, 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 very few people drove cars. And then all these uh, international banks and stuff pressured the shit out of Vietnam to get rid of that luxury tax. Yeah. And mm. so now there's like so many more cars on the road and the streets aren't designed for it and people aren't yeah. used to it. And it's just like, it's awful. Traffic and the thing about jam, motorbikes that's great is that pollution. you never have a traffic jam with motorbikes because they can just kind of swarm around each other and yeah. everybody can kind of keep moving. But like when like, the cars block it up, there's no Just two or three notion. cars line up. That's yeah. it. It blocks yeah. the whole road. It blocks the whole road. It's awful. Yeah. Like public transport, like buses, Trams, metros, mm -hmm. trains, uh, fucking blimps and hot air <laughs> balloons, you know, if that's what, what we need. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like, bikes and bike highways and pedestrian highways and, like, electrical bikes and electrical motorcycles. It's like, that's it. Like, that's no yeah. cars. We don't even need, like, uh, gas-powered uh, motorbikes. Like, just make it electric. Yeah. Oh, they've got some cool electric motorbikes now in Vietnam. Mm. Yeah. And they have this mm. cool system. Okay, this is like this is a this is a capitalist thing that would be so much better under communism. Okay? Like but it's a good concept that I think communism would definitely improve on. But like so there's this group, there's this Vin group is this the biggest company in Vietnam. It's massive. And mm. um it's a privately owned corporation. But they have these things called Vinmarts. And Vinmarts are like 7-Elevens, but they're everywhere. Like every street has a Vinmart. And so, but Vin Group also sells electric. This is actually a point for your whole centralization thing, actually. Mm -hmm. Vin Group also sells electric motorbikes, mm -hmm. and they're really well designed. They're fast. They're really cool. Can run even in a flooded road. They can run in the floods. They're kind of designed mm -hmm. for Vietnam. But so the cool thing is, you never have to charge them because you can go to any Vin Mart and swap your battery out for free. They mm -hmm. have like a battery charging bank, and you'll mm -hmm. just go there and you like bring your battery in. And like swap it out there and then put a new battery in your bike and just ride off. So you don't have to charge it. You don't have to like fill the gas tank. It just as long as there's always a Vinmart and as long as there's a Vinmart, you can just swap your battery out. And yeah. it's like that system is cool, but like it would be so much better under communism if like that's just what everybody's vehicle was like. <laughs> and there was just, you know, like batteries charging everywhere. You know, it's like such a good system. And we could, uh, yeah. I mean, just too. the thing of like we were talking about software earlier, but just like. Because, uh, like, in, in capitalism, we have, like, you, you know, you have proprietary software and, and proprietary yeah. hardware and, like, s uh, different standards and stuff. But if we could just, like, have, like, standardized uh, electrical bike batteries, standardized motorcycle batteries, to just have, like, mm. one type fits all so that you can have the kind of system that you're describing where if you have an electric bike, no matter what kind it is, you can go to, you know, a Vimart 
or something like it and swap out yeah. your battery and like you don't have to pick out like any specific brand or whatever it sells the yeah. same yeah. shit you know yeah like yeah. all the different like apple has like different chargers for their phones and stuff like it's all just oh my the God. same but no there's no diversity in the companies how bad <laughs> is that we want choices we want a hundred flavors of doritos you know <laughs> Look, there's nothing wrong with having 100 flavors to Doritos, okay? Would you please stop assailing my culture, my heritage? <laughs> I mean, okay? that's, that's, I'm, ti- that's I'm tired funny, of this. Um, there was a guy Nobody respects on, my Dorito um, culture. There was a guy on Twitter who, uh, I think it, it was like a thing about Bernie Sanders or something. He he took a picture at like, um, it wasn't even a proper supermarket. But it was like a, a supermarket or like a store supply, like a supply store or something. Like the place where supermarkets buy their inventory from but it was in yeah. cuba oh um, yeah 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 i know what you're talking about it, yes. yeah and it was the picture where he was standing in front of a shelf and it was like oh one brand of a thing yeah yes. and it was like this it was is like what... a it was like a costco mm. yeah. it was like a cuban costco yeah yeah and he was like this is what america would look like under socialism and i looked at that and i was like what is what is wrong with that like why yeah, do there have to be awesome. like 20 different brands they have of like soap? a fully stocked yeah but then, like, um, it was like two months after that when COVID came, and it, Luna and I went a little viral because we would, um, yeah, we would kind of go through like the convenience stores and the grocery stores in yes. Vietnam, and we'd be like, "Here's the big stacks of toilet paper. Here's the giant <laughs> pile of hand sanitizer," and we were just like bragging, like, "Here's all the food," and like every, it, it, you know, in socialist Vietnam, and it was, it was like when the things were the worst in America, and like the shelves yeah. were all empty and shit. Um, so we, and then, and then the, the fascists and the right wingers and stuff were like fake news. This is fake news. And it's like, yeah, Luna and I knew that the pandemic was coming and we went to the grocery store before the shortages <laughs> mm. and we filmed this video ahead and of time. And we knew exactly that in the US, like you would buy off all the toilet paper. Specifically toilet paper, toilet paper and, and hands. Yeah. It's like so funny. So it's ridiculous. It's all CGI. It's a green It's all CGI. Aye, aye. Um, I mean, you're sitting in front of a green screen right now, so. I, I have the capability. I can make this yeah. a grocery store fully stocked if I want to. Yeah. Um, just, it's interesting. You, know, you just have a camera and you move around in like a green screen room and then you just like motion oh track God. and do like a I wish I could market. do that. <laughs> I wish I had the energy to do that. I'm too lazy to do that shit. Are you kidding? I wish I, have, yeah. I, wish I have a talent to do that. I, well, yeah. Mm. Uh, she, it sounds like Turkey's a lot like Vietnam. Does, does Turkey have a lot of motorbikes? Because that's like... Mm. If if mm-hmm. Turkey has a lot of motorbikes, I feel like I could just jump right on the. Sheikh Lauren's talking like about system of mirrors. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's how we. That's how we do it. That's how we yeah. do. Yeah. Um, no, you know, in in supermarkets, I don't know. Maybe they don't have it in Vietnam, but in our supermarkets, uh, on on shelves, like especially like refrigerated shelves and stuff, uh, and like the dairy section and cheese section and stuff, on the end of the shelf, there's a mirror. Uh, like on both ends of the shelf, there are mirrors, so it looks like uh, there's a lot more food than Space. there actually is. Oh, oh, I've seen that in the U.S., but I don't think I've seen that in Vietnam. Yeah, it's like this. In like, Vietnam, the, the the refrigerated trick. section is usually just like literally like a, a row of refrigerators. Mm. In the USA, it's weird because a lot of times the refrigerator cases will have like no wall behind it, and you'll be like shopping. It's so creepy. Like I've only seen this in the USA. Like you'll be shopping and like you'll see a hand just like reach out and like put something on the shelf in front oh, of yeah. you because there's like yeah, a fake wall too. behind it. You know, it's uh, creepy. Uh, I, yeah. It always scares the shit out of me. I'm like about to grab an apple and like this hand comes out with like an orange and I'm like, ah, oh, what yeah. the fuck? 
that's like that's a weird a thing that I've noticed about the United States is uh, you refrigerate your fruit. Yeah, yeah. I don't even think it's necessary. No, like it's, we just, just we uh, just have it out in the open. Well, and it's also like something I think people think is weird about us is that we refrigerate our ketchup. No, and I we do feel okay because, like, yeah. when I come to other countries and like they, they give me warm ketchup, it. The only context mm. in which I can appreciate warm ketchup is at a fast food restaurant. Yeah. But like when I go to someone's house and they leave their ketchup not in the fridge, it makes me feel like yeah. unhealthy, even though I know it's not. It's shelf stable. But uh, like I think I feel like I'm going to get botulism or something. Uh, in France, they don't refrigerate their eggs, and but they do. Refrigerate oh yeah, they don't refrigerate their theirs bread. here. We don't. Yeah. Yeah, but they do refrigerate their bread. We refrigerate our bread because if you don't, it goes moldy in like three hours in Vietnam. Because yeah, Vietnam yeah, is super mm. humid and hot. Yes, yes, yes. But oh, we don't refrigerate sense. the eggs. It's weird. Because hmm. eggs are very fresh in Vietnam and it can last. I don't for think you have to refrigerate eggs anywhere. No, I don't think so. But I did. But I grew up refrigerating our eggs, and my mom would freak out. She'd be like, "You forgot to put the eggs back in the fridge." And yeah. So I didn't know any does not it. Yeah. Aww. I got brainwashed into refrigerating my eggs. But yeah, we're. <laughs> We're a bunch of weirdos. And also, like, we have this pathology about beer where, like, so in Vietnam, they put ice in their beer because it's hot. Mm. And you put yeah. ice in the beer to keep it cold. And, like, when I first came to Vietnam, anytime I'll share a picture of me drinking, like, a Vietnamese beer with ice in it, oh, yeah. everyone comments on the photo, like, you're ruining that beer, putting ice in it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, it's like, it's like cheap, shitty lager, you know? It's like a, yeah. the equivalent of, like, a Bud Light, you know? Like, you can't ruin it. It's already watery beer, you yeah, know? Like, I really don't understand, like, beer connoisseurs because beer has, historically, has always been, like, it's, like, just a way to get alcohol into your system. Like, it's not made <laughs> exactly. to taste good. Yeah, well, I, I might have a bone to pick with you there because there's some beer that tastes really good, but not <laughs> yeah, the cheap, shitty people, factory lager. Yeah. What, uh, what is my, Sweden doesn't do beer? You don't have like a beer culture in Sweden? We no, we do. I mean, we have like a beer and wine culture. We have like a mix because mm -hmm. we have we have influence both from France. Like historically, we both have influence from France and from Germany. Uh, more recently, it's been Germany, but like mm. uh, historically, like a few hundred years ago, uh, it was France. Like our king is French, it comes from a French royal house. Uh, like. The monarchy and the upper class were always influenced by French, and they spoke French in the court and all that stuff. So we had mm. a lot of wine, and wine is like was always this like fancy thing. And then mm. we got beer, so now we have both. Like we have both a wine yeah. culture and a beer culture. Yeah. Javaris asked, my "Is beer is hoy like safe beer to drink?" Hipster. It is. Yeah, beer mm. hoy is just fresh beer. It's just draft beer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've never had any problem. Beer with beer kinda, it's cheaper because they, they bought like huge barrel directly from the manufacturer. But don't drink banana liquor unless you <laughs> really know where it like unless you're like friends with the person who made it. Oh. Because there's a lot of like banana liquor that um, has methanol in it inside. Yes, it's very dangerous. I don't think it's as much mm. of a problem now because I think the government really cracked down on it. Yes, but yes, yes. Uh, we, when I first moved here, like Every three or four weeks, a pilot would die because they drank a bunch of banana liquors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so yeah. Yeah, there was a, a big scandal in Austria. I think it was in the 90s or the 80s where they had, um, there was a wine, like a sweet wine um, that was very popular both in Austria mm -hmm. and in Germany. Um, and it came out that like, I think it was something like, 
they weren't allowed to add as much sugar as they wanted. So they added mm-hmm. some kind of artificial sweetener, which turned <laughs> out it turned out was like uh, like uh, cancer-inducing or something. Like it could oh, really, gosh. it was really poisonous. Um, mm-hmm. But it took a while before you started noticing the effect. So it, like it took like months before anyone realized that like there's a connection between you know this chemical that they put in the wine and all the people getting sick in Germany uh, and Austria. And, you know, it took mm. a while before they actually realized that everyone who drinks this wine gets sick eventually. Um, oh, my God. And, and they like all the companies were like very secretive about what they were putting in um, in their wine and, and all the stuff that was very. Um, but, yeah, like the government cracked down on it and, and was like this whole thing. It went on for like years. Uh, it was cool and fluid, apparently. <laughs> um, oh, my God. That's so, yeah, terrifying. It, it took like years to like find all these different wine brewers uh, that were okay. using this thing and like just crush them and just like get them out of there, test all the bottles of wine. And they keep, I think to this day, they still test every bottle of wine produced in Austria for that specific uh, poison. Wow. Just to make sure. And there was like that brand of, I think it was kind of like Gluck, Gluck wine or something, like that brand mm-hmm. of sweet wine, like sweet wine from Austria to this day, uh, people don't buy. Like yeah, Germans will not buy sweet wine from Austria. It's dead. Because it has, I would be yeah. done with that. Because it's it like uh, Koreans yeah. still don't like American beef because of the mad cow disease. Yeah, got, they're yeah, still yeah, yeah. pissed about that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, they'll they'll never let us live that down. But um, so you know what? That that reminds me of like one more evil thing about capitalism and the state, mm-hmm. which is um, the fact that I, do they do this in Sweden? Where do they do this in Vietnam? I don't know. Uh, so alcohol is extremely cheap to make, right? Yeah. So like you can make alcohol very cheaply. Um, the mm. only reason it's expensive, generally speaking, is because of taxes. If, if you're talking about yeah. like, de- like, like, like just like pure grain alcohol, you know, like ever clear mm-hmm. kind of shit, mm. it's very, very cheap. Actually, I don't think they do because you could buy rice wine in Vietnam. You could buy a, you know, like the water cooler jug, mm. you know, like for mm. a water cooler for an office. Like it's yeah. like how many liters? Like one of my aunt used liters? to make rice liquor well from that, rice oh yeah you told me about that but like you could buy like a jug like a like a five office liters no not five liters like 10 liters like the ones oh. for an office yeah. you could buy a big mm. jug of rice liquor for like 10 bucks something like that in yes. vietnam yes and it'll last you like it's like comically hilariously massive amount of alcohol anyway so in the usa you know you sometimes use alcohol as a cleaning or as like you know for like cleaning or whatever um yeah paint thinning and that kind of stuff so they sell this stuff called denatured alcohol and it's just grain alcohol and they just add poison to it Mm. so that if you drink it you will get sick or maybe die Mm. and the only reason they do that is because they don't want people to buy alcohol without paying the tax yeah do they do that in vietnam i don't never heard about that yeah it's so evil because then like people do like poor alcoholics do buy it sometimes and drink it and get sick and die and it's just like yeah it's just so evil to me. It's like, uh, I, I can't wrap my head around that decision. It's like, okay, here's what, I mean, like, why not? I don't know. Like, why do you have to add something that's going to fucking kill people? It's so evil mm. to me. So that they we will pay do, taxes. As far as I know, we don't do that. But the, the I want to talk a bit about the Swedish uh, alcohol in Sweden is actually very interesting. Uh, and something that Danish people, for some reason, get a, a kick out of because they think it's really funny the way we do it. But um, for like the past, I don't know, 60, 70 years, 
we've had uh, a state monopoly on alcohol, where mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. one store that's allowed to sell alcohol, and it's called Sustainbelaget. And oh, it's yeah. a state-owned there's, store. There's states like that in uh, America like that. Yeah. Mm, interesting. And the, the whole thing about them is they don't do ad campaigns. Uh, mm. They don't like advertise their alcohol. Mm. They don't do sales. Uh, mm. they, don't, they don't do like buy one, get one free. And yeah. The store layout is made in such a way that it's easy to find what you want. And they don't put like things on the side of the aisle things. And like they don't do any psychological tricks in the store to get you to get mm. something that you didn't intend to get. They don't put anything right. like by the register, like a small schnapps thing or whatever. Uh, like the whole store is just designed okay with to that, sell honestly. as little mm. as possible. Yeah. The big thing that I'm against is is the tax. Is there's still an alcohol tax? It's quite high, so alcohol mm-hmm. is expensive, which is you know bad for poor people because poor people yeah. still drink. But there used to be a system, which in some ways is more uh, is better, and in some ways is perhaps more. Uh, totalitarian is uh, there used to be a rationing of alcohol where mm. you had like a card, you had like a membership card in the store, and they would stamp it every time you got something, and you could only buy so much alcohol like every month, basically. Mm. So you, you would buy alcohol, and and you you know you can buy up until like I don't know seven bottles of vodka or whatever. That's yeah, mm-hmm. and then they basically say it's like the logum law. It's yeah, a, it's enforced logum. <laughs> yeah. That's I mean that's exactly what it is. It's it's um it's moderate drinking. It's essentially because we had like prohibition, like a influence from American prohibitionist societies and stuff. But essentially, you know, as Swedes do, we said that's a bit too extreme. You know, let's do it the logum way. Let's do it the moderate way, and let's yeah. you know try to decrease the amount of because alcoholism was a big problem, especially among poor people and and the working class movement and for the social democrats for like the early swedish working class movement along communists and socialists a big thing was getting workers to drink less because a drunk worker can't like join a union and be active and help overthrow yeah, capitalism yeah, yeah. you know so right, right. Um, a, that's you know, like a big reason a big the czar point. wanted to have alcohol yeah. cheaply available to, to peasants and stuff too i think yeah if to make the population docile so a big thing in the worker work, working movement was uh, to limit, to like make it um, not more expensive, but like to to yeah. Lenin was like a Lenin was a big abolitionist. Lenin was like wanted to get rid of all the alcohol in uh, yeah in Russia. Mm. I remember yeah. Re- yeah I remember reading about that. He thought it was like a social uh, way of like basically controlling the working class. Yeah, mm. that's interesting. I think I will go now. Uh, oh, cook actually, some dinner. Yes. Yeah, we'll probably go grab some dinner. We've oh my god, we've been streaming for almost five hours. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. I just looked at this. Fucking... It's very yeah. nice um, to talk to you guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I got. I can. Okay. I'll be done in a minute. Okay. I can talk for a few more minutes. So if anybody in the chat has a question or anything, um, I could probably go for about Bye-bye. five, ten, fifteen more minutes. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make dinner ready. Talk to you soon. Yeah. See uh, ciao. The... The VOD is going to be available for anyone who missed the beginning or whatever, and so you can watch it all back later. Yeah, it's all, there's it's a all lot. On my we, we covered a lot. We've we've yeah. come pretty close to leftist unity. No, I, th- um, I think we pretty much solved it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we got it settled. We'll yeah. Just uh, we'll just have to go back and take some notes and come out with like a manifesto and mm. distribute it to the masses. That's the next step. Um, what do you? How often do you stream? Do you stream a lot? Uh, about. Twice a week, like an average. Okay, yeah. I do Drop Saturdays and Sundays. 
And then I do like random weekday streams when I have the time. The time zones are so freaking confusing. I always, yeah. I'm sorry for defaulting to <laughs> defaulting to Eastern U.S. time, but like it just feels like I don't know. I'm just, I fuck it up so often. I've uh, so many times I've felt very confident that I got the time zones correct, and then I just like missed the stream or something. So yeah, I just uh, wanted to make see. sure we got the right time. Uh, let's um, see, six six p.m. for me is uh, noon Eastern U.S. So I stream okay. at noon Eastern time. Oh, okay, gotcha. So that's like yeah. eleven for me. Okay, all right. Well, yeah. that's good. Um, Azure and EJ, are there any leftist content movies I should upscale? I'm guessing that's a way of saying watch. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Like um, upscaling, like making it bigger, like uh, using AI <laughs> to to like make it. No, that's not a. Oh, that's oh, you're you're literally talking about upscaling. Oh, yeah, literally oh. upscaling. Historical footage. Wow, that's really interesting. Okay. I thought yeah. this was like slang or something because I'm such a loser. I don't know yeah. what the kids are saying these days. Okay. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. I just showed my cards too much. Um, no. Okay. You literally want to upscale. I would say look at the stuff that v- that Luna puts on her channel. Luna has translated some Vietnamese movies, and mm. they are um, really kind of low-quality digital versions, but we can't find better versions of them. Uh, she has a bunch of them. Check mm. those out. That's my first thing I would say. Yeah, there's a bunch uh, of Vietnam, uh, like footage of Ho Chi Minh and, and Fidel Castro. Like, uh, there's a there's a documentary called um, uh, Fidel: The Untold Story, which is a very good documentary, but it's only available in like 240p. So. Yeah. Well, Luna has actual films, like like they're they're really amazing films, and she's translated them to English with subtitles. Um, and they're they're like remarkable pieces. Like, there's one that's about like it's like a spy movie or no, it's a series of spy movies about like the spies in Saigon during the mm. war here. I'll share the playlists in the chat. Um, hold on. I got to go to the, but anyway, yeah, I'll, I, I would say that's the first thing I would recommend. And she's got one called uh, the same river. And it's, um, it's like a really cool, like Vietnam revolutionary war movie. It's so cool. Um, I'll put the links now in the description. Those would be really cool if you could upscale those. Yeah. Um, and then for me, I don't know. I mean, like, I I just wish that there were more leftist movies. Do, have you upscaled any that I could see? I will ask you the reverse question. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any leftist or communist movies that you've already upscaled that I should check out? Or how can I, I check I out think, the work um, that you're doing? I think I've seen uh, something they posted before. I think there was some uh, either an MLK or Malcolm X video, I think. I might be remembering wrong, or I'm I'm thinking of someone else who did who did a similar thing and posted it on my Discord server. Yeah, I'd love to see that kind of stuff. I mean, and oh, and yeah, like like the footage of Fred Hampton needs not only upscaling, mm. but like if there's somebody who's really good with audio, the mm. audio love the audio quality of like Fred Hampton's speeches, a lot of Malcolm X's speeches, a lot of that like Black History stuff. Um, black American history, it's like they didn't have the best equipment and they didn't have the best recording conditions because, you know, like yeah. the, you know, obvious reasons. Um, and it would be awesome to see some like upscaling and some audio cleaning of that stuff. Um, I think I would love to see the that. best way to do stuff like that is to do um, you do like spectral imaging. Uh, you get rid of all the noise. You try to mm-hmm. isolate the vocals and then mm-hmm. you get a Fred Hampton impersonator. <laughs> to record over the speech. Uh, That's that actually can, would be kind of cool. Yeah, because that way you can like fill in all the gaps 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like everything that's missing like from the vocals. Together. Yeah, to make it sound a bit better and more smoothed out. So essentially, that's you, a hell you know, of an it's like repairing repairing a hole in a wall, you know, by filling it with a like a crack repair. Yeah, because with audio, it's actually I mean I don't know maybe they're maybe they're getting better at it with like neural nets or whatever, but um yeah yeah that would be super cool to see. I don't know. I, can, I know that they can make like uh uh they've like mastered uh the ability to um have like uh. Oh, what's his name? Who's the guy that they're always doing the deep fake raps from? Like they did Obama. Uh, not Obama. No. <laughs> they do Obama's voice too. I've heard yeah. Obama's voice, but no, I think it's Drake. Maybe they they have like somebody mm. who they'll have like rap, like all these absurd like texts and stuff. It's really funny. Mm. Um. Anyway, uh, what do y'all think about the new Fred Hampton movie? I haven't. It's not out yet, is it? Is it out? I don't know. I I've only seen, seen the it. the trailer. Trailer looked good, but I mean, like, I, I'm terrified. If it's, mm. it could be very, very good, or it could be very horrible. I don't think there's any middle ground. <laughs> I want to yeah. see it badly, but I haven't yet. Yeah, Judas and the Black Messiah, right? Um, I have not seen it. Um, but no, I, I, that's cool that you do that upscaling stuff. I really want to learn more about how to do that stuff. Yeah, yeah uh, Malcolm X Malcolm X Studio said exactly my thoughts. It's Warner Brothers, so we'll see. That's exactly <laughs> how I feel. <laughs> yeah. I really hope they don't oh. liberal him. He's one of my heroes. I mean, like he like he's he's like the American hero, I think. He came the closest, yeah. I think, to uh overthrowing the American Empire. Um, and that's why they murdered him. But I mean, like, yeah, he it, his voice is so powerful and so well attuned to the material conditions of the USA, even six mm. years later. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I would love to see a really good, like, like radical movie about him. That would be fantastic. But can you imagine, like, how much Hollywood doesn't want that to come out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, they consulted yeah. his son. Apparently, that's good. That's a good sign. I can't. I don't know. I'll watch it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to judge it until I see it. Yeah. I reckon. They did that movie about John Brown, didn't they? I haven't seen that, but I've heard people say that it wasn't it was pretty rad. I need to watch that. Hmm. But there's the, they're few and far between the radical movies. And you oh, have yeah. to watch like European films to get any kind of real radical. Like Guillermo <laughs> del Toro's uh movies are kind of rad. Like yeah, Labyrinth, the, Pan's Labyrinth was um, the French oh. movie about the Maoist student union. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I think there's probably a lot of good French communist movies. I would imagine. La Chinoise. La Chinoise. La Chinoise. Yeah. Uh, 1967. Dark French comedy Mm. by Jean Luc Godard, focusing on a group of students who have embraced Maoist ideals and strive to incite revolution through terrorist violence. (laughs) Maybe that. Wow. Yeah. I want to see that. I like that movie. Uh, This is a radical movie, kind of. It's kind of good. Um, Luna and I went and watched it because it was like the only movie in the theater during like one of the lockdowns. But, um, uh, you know, when the rest of the world was locked down, so no movies were coming out. So we had to go watch like, <laughs> but it was a South African movie and it starred, uh, I think it starred, was it a Hobbit or was it Harry Potter? I think it was Harry Potter, the, the guy that played Harry Potter. Oh. But he played this uh, South African like, uh, anti-apartheid uh, guy who escaped from prison. It's pretty hmm. good. 
there's a there's a Chinese film. It's like one of the most top-grossing Chinese films of all time. It's called The Mermaid, which is mm. about this guy like this evil capitalist billionaire who's like trying to um, destroy uh, the natural habitat of mermaids to build like a how a house or a golf course or something i forget what it was really yeah that sounds awesome yeah and it's about this mermaid i mean it's, it's like chinese? a com- it's like a yeah it's chinese uh it's like a like a romance film but it's about this this like mermaid who she like uh learns to stand on her fin and she like wears skirts to hide her tail and she like infiltrates this guy's uh business and like tries to convince him to not be to not like destroy her home and stuff. It's a pretty cool. Daniel film. Radcliffe, yeah, that's right. I, I'm just yeah. gonna copy and paste all of these uh, awesome uh, movies <laughs> people are recommending. Bakuro, Bakurao, mm. Patagonia Rebelde. The Young Karl I Marx cannot. is a very good movie. You should watch that one. Oh, is it about? Is it like? Um, German... Is it like uh, Young Frankenstein? <laughs> <laughs> it's a German movie about uh, Karl Marx and. His, uh, when he was writing Capital. Oh, I want to see the Australian version. Remember when they had like Young Frankenstein and it was like, no. uh, oh, it had Gene Wilder <laughs> in it, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. They were like, these like Mel Brooksian kind of comedies. I would love to see one of those with, uh, <laughs> with Marx. Oh, there, there was also the, the Chinese anime uh, about Karl Marx. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. I heard it was pretty good, actually. I don't know. That's on, uh, it's on YouTube, I think. You and there's a manga. Yeah, you can just watch the whole thing. There's an Australian movie called High Ground I should watch. I'll check that out too. I just like, I mean, like, I get so thrilled when there's a movie where the communists aren't the bad guys. Like, um, (laughs) Pan's Pan's Labyrinth is like a rare example where, like, they're the good guys. The fascists are the bad guys and the communists are the good guys. And there's no ambiguity about it. You know, the communists are like just definitely the good guys. Mm. The Shape of Water, uh, also by Guillermo del Toro. I can't say these. I'm I'm so bad at it. (laughs) Guillermo del, Guillermo del Toro. Toro. Yeah. Um, is that one a is that a communist movie? Well, it's kind of communist. The good, there, like there's a Soviet guy who is like a on the on the good team, and mm. the bad guys are all like CIA agents. Oh, you know, okay. it's pretty. It's pretty. It's kind of more allegorical, but definitely there's like a Soviet good guy. Mm. And then you watch shit like I don't know. Like I hate how in stranger things like they had to just for no reason make the soviets the bad guys and it was just like yeah what is this like it the, felt very it, forced but i guess it, it's like it a did. parody of 80s movies i guess yeah it was like i guess supposed it's like to be a, it was supposed to be a parody but it like kind of like made fun of itself a bit yeah 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 it just felt kind of like you said forced to me i don't know yeah like i think you can invert those tropes sometimes and it's a better pastiche do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. Hmm. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. I mean, maybe I it, like the. It's like the, um, you like you oh, try you set up like you set it up as if the Soviets are the bad guys, but then you subvert the the expectations at the end. Like you show that all you know the some never, of the things you believed about yeah. the Soviets was wrong. I never thought about that. It's literally under a mall. That's a pretty good. Maybe I'll rewatch it with that in mind. I never even thought about them. I I kind of turned my brain. I mean, I enjoyed watching it. Let me put, let me let me back up mm. and say, I unabashedly enjoy watching Stranger Things. Um, so and also the fact of the matter is that like the real bad guys were like original bad guys were the American government. So, you know, I'm not mm. I'm not trying to cancel 
Stranger Things. I just want to see more good guy socialists and mm. less bad guy socialists. That's all I'm saying. Uh, in my uh, only point. in Cyberpunk 2077, the upcoming video game, the like the main good guy gang are like a bunch of sex worker anarchists. Like mm-hmm. uh, they do like mutual aid and they like help each other and stuff, and they defend mm-hmm. against uh like sharks and like perverts and um like abusive men and stuff and they're like they're like canonically anarchists and punks and stuff can someone explain this to me because i feel like i've been following this game for a long time because I, I i grew up playing Shadowrun and i was really into my william gibson was like my favorite author i'm really mm-hmm. into cyberpunk um and i played the cyberpunk 2020 game um the, the old role-playing game when i was like a kid and so I've been following this game and like, okay, am I having a fake memory or something? Because I feel like a few years ago, maybe like three years ago or something, everyone was talking about the cyberpunk game that was coming out and it was like being made by these like reactionary chud shitheads and it was going to be like really reactionary. No. Am I just making up this false memory? And then in like the last few months, everyone's talking about it like it's going to be this like super woke game. No, it's like, made by did, uh, CD Projekt Red. I don't think they're reactionary. I mean, they're but but I'm telling you, I have this strong memory from like a few years ago that like they were gonna like like everyone was talking about how the Cyberpunk 2077 game was gonna come out, and they were like, oh, the people making this game are like real reactionaries, and they're gonna like fuck up everything about Cyberpunk. And it's like I have this I mean, strong memory. They're they're working very closely with Mike Pondsmith, which gets me really excited. Like he's talked in um, in interviews, like he's really excited about about the game, and like he like specifically they were talking. I remember there was like a thing about trans people, like you could not like there was something like transphobic about it. I don't know. Am I just making this up? I don't, or was it a different game? No, like no, there was like there was a billboard with a trans woman on it, but I don't think it was transphobic. Like I thought it was empowering. I thought it was fucking I don't dope. know. I might be thinking of something totally different, or maybe it was like a... Like, I don't know. I have no clue. But this was like three years ago. Yeah. How long has no, this game like been there, in development? There's a ton, there are a ton of trans characters in the game. Uh, you can choose to be trans in the game. See, uh, this is totally the opposite of what I was hearing, of what I'm remembering in my false memory. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't even uh, know. There was like I a, have no clue. This was years ago, a, though. A, a recurring problem with Cyberpunk is that the team who, who are making it, are uh, they're all Polish, and they don't speak very good English. And, um, like, a lot of, like, American journalists, they take, like, interviews they've given in Polish, and they translate it really badly. And then they're like, oh, like, one of the recent examples is, like, uh, um, one of the developers was asked, like, is there going to be, like, a Black Lives Matter reference in the game? Uh, And he essentially said, like, we've been working on this game for, like, the past seven years, uh, right now we're in like the optimization stage. Like we're not adding any more content to the game. Um, so like there's not they're not going to be in like current political things in happening in the game. And like some American gaming journalists took that and they published like an article that was like Cyberpunk 2077 is not going to be political. It's like yeah, that see that's when I first started paying attention to it recently. Yeah. What the like hell no am I no no like why, it's in why do I have like, this weird false memory that like yeah. three years ago they were everyone was trying to cancel this game and it wasn't a Polish team that I was thinking of because I'm thinking of it it was like a some kind of like uh, shithead reactionary people I don't even know I don't know I don't know where that idea came from 
So, okay, V says they've been working on the game for seven years. Yeah. Did it change? Is it possible that the team changed or something? No, no. It Is was that always, possible? Uh, it was always CG Project Red. Uh, they're a Polish company. They made what? Witcher 3. So weird. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I have this strong memory of like, I never cared because I didn't know anything about it, but I just remember other people talking about it. Maybe they were people who were like, SJWs. <laughs> maybe, they, maybe it was something like, I don't know. Maybe it was like a Tempest in a Teapot situation. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I've been following the game pretty like, closely, though, and I'm, I'm optimistic about it. Well, and that's like, good. I want a good, so long as, legitimately. Like, Smith uh, gives it the seal of approval. Like I said in my in my stream last night, like uh, Mike Pondsmith could like endorse jumping off a bridge, and I would do it. Like anything he puts his name on, I'm like, fuck yeah, give it to me. Because like he's working closely with the team, and he says he's proud of it, and he says it's close to his you know like ideal vision of a cyberpunk game. And so I'm like, all right, that's all I need to know. Mike Pondsmith yeah. approves. I'm gonna buy it. Chico Lawrence says there are many other cyberpunk games, so you may be remembering some other game. But it's like I just I feel like I wouldn't get that wrong because I have sort of like a childhood attachment to Cyberpunk 2020, and I feel like I would I don't I don't even fucking know who yeah. knows. Maybe uh, it was Elon maybe Musk there was is, something I don't even know. Elon Musk but is the, not uh, in the game. Uh, his girlfriend or his wife is in the game. Grimes is in the game. She voices a character, but as far as I know, he is not in the game. But Grimes is cooler than musk from what i know, from what i've seen uh, i follow I them both on twitter i mean grimes <laughs> is annoying but she's seems to have a uh she seems to have uh some kind of like ethical framework in her life um javaris mm. uh asked if i could recommend a william gibson book um okay i mean like the the go-to is okay i would say this start with burning chrome which is a collection of short stories mm. and like if you dig that you get a little like sampler then just go if you dig that go back and start at the beginning and read every book because he does mostly he does trilogies so there's like the sprawl trilogy and there's like you know there's like the neuromancer trilogy like and i would just read them all in order in the order that he wrote them and it's very very interesting to do that because like you kind of see how at first he's writing it as like very much like hard science fiction but very science fiction but then like now he's writing about things that are contemporary and just almost only like, like, like for instance, um, pattern recognition took place only like five years in the future. It wasn't like super mm. far in the future or whatever. So it's kind of interesting because it's like we live in cyberpunk now. Yeah. We live, we, it's not fantasy anymore. And he kind of like just had to sort of adjust how he writes because it's just not a fake future anymore. Yeah. Um, I'm also, have to go. if you. <laughs> Yeah, I have to go too. Uh, real quick though, if you like cyberpunk games, uh, mm. check out Neo Feud by Silver Spook. Very good cyberpunk game by a radical anarcho-indigenous native Hawaiian. Check it out. Neo cool. Feud. Oh, yeah, but let's go. I'm going to go eat some food. I'm very hungry now. <laughs> yeah, I have a doctor's appointment. Oh, oops. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. This has been great. I look forward to the next uh, experience. Yeah. Well, who knows when that will be, but we'll probably stream together. At some point, yeah. Again soon, we'll make it. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Take care. Good luck with your appointment, and uh, yeah, solidarity. <laughs>